Hi, and welcome to episode 34 of Imperial Hearts. Is it 34? Yep. Okay. It's a book club episode. It is the Krennic episode. <laughs> so, all you with your bingo cards at home. Check off your Krennic. Check off your Krennic box. corner. You uh, didn't actually make a bingo no, box, I know, did you? No, I know, because we don't have 25 yet. I should make one for uh, next time. Okay. So, introduce yourself. I'm Jamie. I'm Dana. And Imperial Hearts is a podcast where we have feelings about Star Wars and talk about all things Star Wars. Mostly Imperial Director Krennic. Rear Admiral Krennic. <laughs> Commander Krennic. <laughs> yep. I'm yeah. angry at him. I'm also angry at him. So we're talking about Catalyst, the Rogue One prequel novel by James Lucino today. Uh, it's our pre-Rogue One book club episode, and uh, we both read Catalyst. It came out uh, last week, or you know, a week and a half ago, or whatever. So, um, as usual, I listened to the audiobook, and you read the book. Yes, I did listen to the preview for the audiobook, and I hated it. So, Wait, why did you hate it? I just I didn't like the guy's voice, and I didn't like the way he did the characters, and I was just like, oh no, I have to. I have to read this. I thought it was okay. The one thing I didn't like is how he pronounced it Lyra. I know. It's Lyra, right? It's clearly it's, Lyra. It's Lyra. Right? But I mean, if it's an audio, it's the official mm, audiobook. Do you think they would have corrected him? I'm sure now it is Lyra. But it looks like Lyra. L-Y-R-A. Lyra. Looks like Lyra to me. Like yeah. Lyra Silvertongue. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And like a yeah. lyre. Like the instrument. Yeah, Lyra. Yeah, it's Lyra, so I'm going to keep saying Lyra. Whatever. Lyra. Ugh. Yeah, no, I don't know. Lyra. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so, um, yeah, and like I said in last week's episode, uh, I read this book on a plane to Jamaica, and then I read it on a beach. So that is definitely going to color my opinion of this book. But uh, first we can uh, go through the news. So the news for this week is that I spent a week babysitting your dog while you were in Jamaica. That's true. And we got a Rogue One box from Funko. We did. We got our Rogue One Smuggler's Bounty. We didn't do an unboxing because it came spontaneously and we were like, ugh, don't want to be on camera. So we, <laughs> but we couldn't, we couldn't wait, so we just opened it. Yeah, so it came with two pops, which... Um, were posted online. There was a Death Trooper and uh, uh, Jin in her mountain gear with the hat and goggles. Mountain gear, Jin. Mm-hmm. And it also came with a thing I'm holding right now, and you can probably hear it <laughs> on the microphone because I'm playing with it. It's like um, mini Hikari Vader. Yeah. Which is like a little Japanese vinyl style Vader, and he's. He's red and sparkly. And he's like the texture of, I don't know. It's a, it's a, a specific type of Japanese vinyl, right? Yeah, it's so fubi. It's like um, soft vinyl. Cool. Um, yeah. He I was the I surprise. Chew on him. Yeah. Yeah. He we'll post a picture uh, in the show notes. And a t-shirt. The Rogue One t-shirt. Which I'm actually wearing right now. Yeah. That's the, first, that's the first shirt that we liked. Yeah, I mean, I, I wear the Phasma shirt to bed sometimes, but we got uh, a, um, the I size too, too large. It's like 50, way too big for me. I want a Captain Phasma 
um, what do you call a body filler? A body filler. <laughs> yeah, no, like in her full armor. Yeah. It's just like life-size body pillow yeah. wearing her armor. Yeah. Definitely. Awesome. Yeah, so, um, and then um, the patch this this time was um, Captain Cassian Andor, and the pin was K2SO. So yeah, Vader, uh, Hikari Mini Vader is watching us record this podcast from his... He is the, the new podcast red mascot. And, red and sparkly plastic. He is the most fabulous Vader I own. It is pretty fabulous. Yep. And they came in uh, five different color variants. Uh, black, silver, gold, blue, and red. So we got the red one. And I'm not going to go on eBay and buy the rest. Uh, Dana's not going to go on eBay and buy the rest. You heard it here. <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, some of our big Star Wars news this week. Um, also, Rogue One tickets go on sale today. That's today for you, Monday, November 28th. Um, that's a couple of days now from now for us as of this recording. Are we going to buy them tonight? Uh, well, they come out on, on Monday, the 28th. Oh, right. It's for them, for listeners, it's today. And we are going to buy them, yes, we are, that day. So that we can get opening night tickets at the IMAX. Awesome. And uh, I was already told in no uncertain terms that I would not be wearing this shirt to the Rogue One premiere. You will not. I will not be wearing this shirt. So even though the little instruction booklet that comes with it says... To wear it to the premiere? Make sure to wear yours to the theater this December. <laughs> so I guess I'll have to wear it one of the other uh, ten times that I go see this movie. <laughs> I mean, I have lots of opportunity because uh, I... You're going to see it with every single person you know. Yeah, probably at least once. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then every combination, every right. every configuration. Yeah, because I... So the last movie record that I have is Titanic in 1997 with seven times. Holy shit. I saw that movie seven times. I was like 14 years old. Um, That's a lot. No, I was 13 years old, I think. I was right in their target demographic. Do you know what mine was? What? I believe it was Fellowship of the Ring. How many times? Uh, like three or four. Oh, nice. Which, I mean, for me, that's a lot. Yeah, you don't really repeat movies like I do. No, that's why I like never buy movies, because I never want to watch them again. You watched Fellowship as a Ring? Like, you wore out that DVD, practically. Yeah, I fucking... I think you watched that with commentary, like... There's four different commentaries. Right, and I think you, like, every weekend in college... And there's, like, 12 hours of special features. Yeah. I was addicted to that. Yeah, I remember that. It's, like, the perfect background noise movie. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I wonder what movie will break your streak four times. Hmm. How many times did you see Force Awakens in theaters? Just twice. Okay. But, yeah, I, I was trying to decide whether Force Awakens would break my streak. I think I saw it five or six times. I think I saw it five times in the theater. I think, yeah, you have a lot of different people to see movies with. Yeah. I don't have as many movie friends but also i like to go see movies again you like seeing movies yeah Yeah. you like the theater so if if i like rogue one it which how many times do you see force awakens five times in the theater oh my gosh so that's like a hundred dollars uh sometimes i had gifts gift cards i got cineplex gift cards for christmas and i have i go to see enough movies that i get scene points and you get free movies yeah so i get free movies so sign up for scene everybody and get free movies (laughs) 
Scene. Not sponsored by Scene. Call us. Um, scene. Um, anyway, yeah, no, I got some, some of those are free because I go see movies enough. The point is that I may or may not break my streak with Rogue One okay. if I can find enough people to go see it with me eight times, which would be <laughs> the record-breaking number. You know what we should do next time? What? On the podcast? We should do an audio unboxing of... You know, next time we get one of these boxes right. and we don't feel like doing a video unboxing, right? We should do an audio unboxing. Yeah, we can do that, and they can just hear the cardboard open, <laughs> and we can describe. <laughs> we can describe the texture, right? Describe how we're feeling as we see everything. Yeah, it'll be like ASMR, but without right. the video. Cool. Because I'm having some serious, like, tactile issues with not touching this plastic. That's fair. I hope it's not on the video, or I hope it's. Yeah, not audible. Keep talking. Okay, so that was, yeah, that was a lot of the news for this week um, that I heard. Because I I didn't really keep up with the news super well while I was in Jamaica. Yeah, I don't think much else happened. I guess I I, um, have kind of a running joke now where, you know how people uh, take like garden gnomes and take photographs around them, around the world, like um, in Ameli? Yeah. Yeah, I kind of, we kind of have kind of running joke now with the Krennic Funko Pop. Yeah. Because he accidentally got... He didn't accidentally get brought on a road trip. I brought him on a road trip on purpose. Deliberately. Deliberately. But it was just to show Suzanne, haha, look, I got this Krennic Funko Pop. And then she was like, you brought him on a road trip? That sounds kind of like too nice for him. And then I was like, oh no, he did get to go on a road trip and he, we brought him to the cottage and then we took a bunch of pictures of him doing funny cottage things. And then she took him to New York City to take a bunch of pictures of him doing, like, New York City sightseeing. So I took him to Jamaica to... to Have you made that chronic Twitter yet? I'm going to make an Instagram, I think. You should. Yeah, because I think Instagram would be easier to keep up than Twitter. Yeah, you should. So I'm going to make an Instagram and post all these pictures that I've, you know, we've taken of him, like, having adventures. So I took him to Jamaica to have, like, a beach vacation, and my one-and-a-half-year-old nephew adopted him and just had, like, the best time playing with him and loved him so much... And it was, like, really charming, and he just, like, he yeah. kissed him, and he would, like, f- pretend to feed him. Especially because he's such a, like, non-cute character. Yeah, he's just, like... He's literally an old man in a suit. Yeah, I mean, he's got a cute face, because he's got a Funko face, right? Just, like, big Does eyes. He? Does he really? <laughs> hey, man, James Lucino said so. So. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, 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 so I have some really cute pictures of my nephew, like, playing with this, like, evil old man Funko Pop toy, and, uh, they're pretty funny, so that was, that was my adventure for the week. I have a question for you. Okay. Throughout the, you want to transition straight into the book review? Yeah, sure. Okay, I have the perfect way to start off. Okay. When you were reading this book, did you picture Krennic wearing a cape the whole time well he's described when he starts wearing a cape it's described really yeah where his uh, uniform has like a cape darn it i wasn't paying attention because so i i think it starts out without a cape and then he gets a cape on his uniform like later in the book why were you picturing him wearing a cape yeah i mean all of the like all of the total like studs of star wars wear capes you know like lando vader vader Right. You know, yep. all, all the, like, all the nocturnal carousers. <laughs> that was amazing. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, there's a part in this book where James Lucino describes... Yeah. Um, College-age Krennic's nocturnal carousing is... Nocturnal carousing. Being legendary. Legendary nocturnal carouser. Yep. Orson Krennic. Yep. I mean, with the first name like Orson, you got something to prove. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's got a lot to prove. That's what this whole book is about. Yeah. Yeah, um, pretty much. So... Uh, yeah, obviously, you guys knew I was going to like this book. Um, going in, you knew I was going to like this book. I also read it on a plane to vacation, just like I did Lost Stars. Um, there's another one for your bingo card. Um, comparing to Lost comparing Stars. Comparing to Lost Stars. Uh, and I read it on a beach, which is pretty hard not to like things. And also, I yeah, like I have so many default feelings about this that um, make make me a total mark for this book. So you already knew I was going to like it. So it should come as no surprise to say that I liked it. Because obviously. Um, but I'm more interested to hear what you thought about it. <laughs> oh gosh. Because I don't think we can have that same assumption baked in. Okay, so I liked it. I would say it's, of the Star Wars books we've read for the podcast, I would put it at number three. That's pretty high praise. Yeah. Is that like Lost Stars Bloodline Catalyst? Yeah, I think I think Bloodline might be my number one. Yeah, fair. And then Lost yeah, Stars. Good and then this one. Hmm. Um, but comparing it to other books. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I guess my main issue with it was the like story structure, mm. mm-hmm. um, where it felt more like how do I put this? Like it was almost like deleted scenes from Rogue One. Yeah, I would definitely. It doesn't really. I would definitely say it suffers from the same problem that Tarkin did, which yeah, is that is the not... plot is not super riveting. Yeah, I mean, okay, so we jump around between, like, six different POV characters, Mm -hmm. some of whom don't really have, who are just sort of commenting, like, hmm, hmm, this is an interesting situation, (laughs) hmm, hmm, what should we do? Like, I feel like, and then the ending felt really anticlimactic to me. Yeah, there wasn't. This book, there was no climax. There wasn't a climax. There was no climax. There wasn't. The climax is Rogue One. Yes. In the, like, sex yep. scene between between Galen and Krennic that we're going to get in Rogue One. I'm assuming... I can only assume. After he kidnaps him, right? Because that's... Yeah. Like, that's what happens in Rogue One. That's the movie, so. isn't it? That's what I thought. I yeah. thought, you know, because, you know, Krennic is the Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> that's what... Yeah. It's not Rogue One. It's the Rogue One. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what, get- that's what Galen calls him. You were the one. You were, you know. I have yeah. known a lot of directors in my life, but you were the rogue one. What? I don't know. I just... That joke he is- was the one variable in the calculation of... That, that Galen I- didn't anticipate. <laughs> Oh, oh my no. like my only goal in this podcast is to make you laugh. So hard that I can't breathe. 
That's what. <laughs> that's my. That's when one of Hobbs' suggestions for the um, the bingo card was Jamie laughs so hard she can't breathe. <laughs> that's my goal is to disable you with laughter. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> yeah, it's true. There wasn't really a climax. It was just kind of the plot of the book is basically um, Galen or so. Uh, whose energy research as related to kyber crystals and focusing kyber crystal energy into renewable energy generation. Um, Krennic trying to recruit him to the top secret Death Star project. Yeah. And Galen refusing because he's a pacifist and eventually getting manipulated into agreeing to use the crystal research for the Emperor's renewable energy project, quote-unquote, that is actually just a Death Star project, and then finding out it's a Death Star project, and quitting and running away with his wife and daughter to a secret planet. Yep. And then Krennic trying to get promoted, uh, and trying to uh, get Galen to agree to all this stuff in the background. And also uh, manipulating Tarkin, and Tarkin having a lot of feelings about that. I think we kind of <laughs> called that, that Tarkin yeah. would be a... yeah. So much like Tarkin, I feel like this book had a lot of really good scenes. Mm-hmm. And unlike Tarkin, this book had a lot of really good characters. Yeah, it did. I, I liked, um, I liked Galen. I liked. Um, I don't know if I liked Orson. Mm. Um, he was an interesting character. He was an, He was something. He was not likable. He was the worst, but in a, worst. in a delectable way. Yeah. Um, I liked Lyra, Lyra. Yeah. Um, and I liked Haas. Me too. Haas or I Hask. really liked Sagarera. I did too, yeah. Sagarera was fucking awesome. I didn't expect to see Sagarera in this book. Yeah. Um, so I liked the characters were cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found, like, you know how Rogue One is, like, is a movie about the opening crawl of episode four? Yeah. This was a book about the opening crawl of Rogue One? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's like this increasingly, it's like, I think this book will be summed up in a couple sentences in the first part of the movie. Right. You know, like, there was nothing, there was no part of this book where I was like, I wonder what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. Because you know what's going to happen. But I didn't dislike, I didn't dislike the journey. Yeah. You know, like, I knew it was going to happen. I wasn't in suspense. Um. If there was one thing that I wanted more of in this book, it would be for either Galen or Lyra, Lyra, to have more of a dilemma or a struggle. Like, Galen was basically a non-character. He didn't really ever make any decisions. Yeah. He didn't make any interesting decisions or do anything really um lyra did but mm-hmm. but there wasn't there was no you know how like there was just no conflict between there was no like juicy conflict there was a lot of passive aggressive conflict right yeah um but there wasn't a lot of strong conflict between the character like i don't know i feel like the strongest conflict uh between characters in this book were between Orson and Lyra. Totally. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which Galen is kind of like the ball. Yeah, he's the prize. He's the prize in the, the sort of rivalry between uh, Krennic and Lyra, who hate each other, and it's amazing. It is, yeah. Um, yeah. 
and they never liked each other. But they used they, at the beginning of the book, they have to kind of pretend to be civil because Galen likes them both, and Galen yeah. trusts them both. And you know, Krennic sort of springs them out of prison after they get arrested uh, by the separatists. So they're like, "Oh, we're kind of indebted to you," but she's like, "Oh, I kind of hate you a little bit," and he's like, "Yeah, I hate you too. I resent that. Yeah, I resent that Galen cares about you." Um, and it makes me feel a lot of feelings, but I'm going to sublimate them because I, I'm just worried about my work or whatever. I want to get a promotion. Um, and then Galen's like, oh, gee, you guys. Yeah. Oh, go, guys. Stop it. He's just caught in the middle. And he, um, he just spends the whole book being manipulated by Krennic. Yeah. And then finally sort of waking up to it and yeah. realizing that he's kind of been a terrible husband and father and also yeah. person. Yeah. And then being like, oh, yeah. Yikes. <laughs> and then uh, his wife is like, yeah, no, let's go. And he's like, okay. And that's it. And that's it. I, I, I wish there was more of a, I don't know, more of a struggle, more of a, like, Lyra, you know, like, I feel like um, something they didn't want to let Galen have too much of a moral dilemma. He had no moral dilemma. He I, he did until he had the right information, and then he's yeah. I feel like they didn't want to give him. It's like they hold back the knowledge that he's working on the Death Star. Yes, I feel as though he. <laughs> did sort of know. I feel like he had the plausible deniability to say that he didn't know. Yes. I feel like he did know. I feel like on some level, yeah, he was aware he must have known. that Krennic's... Because what Krennic <clears throat> finally ended up selling him on was uh, the security angle. He finally convinced him that right. the holdout rebel terrorists who um, were sold as being separatist holdout, holdouts, basically, um, that the terrorists were... A, th- a serious threat to the peace in the galaxy and yeah and Galen's like okay yeah no I totally see it I finally saw the handiwork of the insurgents on these worlds and I believe you now and I feel like it was it's naive for him to think that at that point they're just working on energy research and that he can pretend to be surprised yeah. when he finds out it's really a weapons project but I feel like he actually did know and just was so obsessed with the research that he let himself not know it. Right. Um, because he he did get really deep into the research and he really did want to continue the research. And he just needed an excuse. The whole book, he was looking for an excuse to work on the research. And he finally got one and he finally let Krennic convince him that it was for a worthy cause and he believed him. And then when Lyra forced him to look at the truth, he was like... I can't pretend anymore, and he had to leave. But yeah, he walked. I think he he walked in with blinders on, but he put them on himself. Yeah, I don't know. It just wasn't that compelling of a story, though. Mm-hmm. It was like, I mean, I don't know. It's like those are interesting events, but they don't. Um move me emotionally or surprise me or yeah. you know like I don't know I, I was really happy to I don't want to seem like really down on this book but because I did like all of the 
extra information that I learned. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm definitely a lore nerd, and I liked all of the background stuff we learned about, you know, companies making Death Stars. Yeah. Um, and so that's the other... Did they call it the Death Star at any point? No. That was an interesting thing I noticed, too. <clears throat> yeah, right? So when does when does that happen? When do they... I don't know. Does anyone... Because in A New Hope, they call it the Death Star. Mm-hmm. And yeah, in this one they kept they keep calling it the Celest- Super Weapon Project and Celestial yeah, Power Project Celestial Power. That's the which is a cool name sort of code name they give it because of course they're pretending it's a energy research program, right? Um, but I, oh, you know what drove me nuts about this book? What? I can't hold this in anymore. Standard weeks, standard months. <laughs> just yeah. just say weeks. Yeah. They say that so or many... Or they could just say it the one time, like standard yeah. week, standard month, and then just say month. Like, no one week. would no one would say that. Yeah. Like, they say it so many times in this book. They say, like... Fair. It's been one standard week. <laughs> and it's like... <sighs> just say week. Just say week. Fair. Yeah. Unless you're going to say, like, you know, another reference, another kind of week at some point in the book. They did once. Did they? Which was, I think they, they referenced mm. how many months were on um, Alpin... When Nari and Jin and Lyra go to Alpin, but okay. it was it was I'm a throwaway reference. Proven I, wrong. I agree. But, but yeah, yeah, they say it so many times. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah. No, but there's like a lot of little things to say about this book, though. Like. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. So, I have a lot of feelings about this book for like multiple reasons. Like the the Urso family thing is something that like really resonates with me. I like it as a as like an archetype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, yeah. so overall, I think one of the things that delighted me the most about this book is how, as a true prequel to Rogue One, in that it actually is meant to be read before you see the movie. I think it's going to add um, a lot yeah, of context. Yeah. I think it's got an interesting legacy element that we don't see in the Star Wars universe, whereas a lot of the things that have come out of the Star Wars universe are prequels that take place after right like you read right you see you you watch the movie you read this book you watch the trilogy you watch this other movie like everything has sort of come after whereas this is actually before so when you the book focusing on the main character's parents and the legacy that they then leave for the main character of the next story is actually really interesting in in context where because Jin is a character in this book, but she's a child yeah. who has... She's adorable. She is adorable. And she bears no uh, meaningful... Like, she, she doesn't make any impact on moving the plot forward. No. Because um, she's, a, you know, maybe five years old by the end of the book. I guess she's probably a little older than that. She's a kid anyway, a little kid. Yeah. Um, but, so, going through this book, seeing her father... Um, you know, get sucked into this research, be sort of uh, uh, sucked in by Krennic, and I was going to say seduced, and I tried to think of a different word. I don't think that. My head. It wasn't better. No. Okay. No. Anyway, um, and then her mother sort of rebel against that, where her her mother has the sort of start of a rebellion against the Empire. She doesn't like have an organized rebellion, but she is raising all these red flags about Galen's involvement in the Empire, and she's an environmentalist, so she's really, um, she's, like, an activist against the Imperial, like, 
strip mining efforts on some of these like protected yeah. worlds. And then knowing that we're going to then see their daughter, you know, 20 years from now, um, 15 years from now, carry on that legacy and like dismantle the thing that her father built unintentionally, I feel like is a really interesting legacy that we haven't seen in the Star Wars story structure before. Definitely. Um, I think it's going to be interesting if they really, if they have stuff that flows from this book, I want to see where they take the um, kyber crystal stuff. Yeah. That was one of the most interesting parts of the book for me. Yeah, there was a lot of kyber crystal lore. And like how they're like alive and Mm -hmm. how... Yeah. Like attuned to the people who have them. And, and we know Jin gets one from her mom. Mm-hmm. And like, is that going to be in the plot? Yeah. And like Jin's mother is sort of low-key force sensitive. She says, you know, she could never use the force like a Jedi, but of course she feels it. Yeah. Um, and she she and her friend, um, who are both naturalists and like surveyors, like environmental surveyors. So they spend a lot of time in nature they both believe that all living things can feel the force. Yes. And you, you, yeah. The way that they describe Tahas Obit, one of the other characters who's kind of like a smuggler pilot. I like him a lot. Yeah, I liked him too. Um, they're describing being in nature and feeling the force and just feeling the interconnectedness of all life as being something natural. You know, it's that they don't feel like the force is like reserved for the Jedi or that only the Jedi can feel it. Yeah. Um, even though she doesn't feel like she could wield it like a Jedi, but she feels it. Um, and I think the way that she, it almost felt like it made the Force accessible in a way that had not been in most of the other, like most of the other fiction, like in, in stories or books. It does feel like yeah, the Force is something reserved just for really special people, but she made it feel like... It was for anyone who wanted to sort of listen to to it yeah. and move through them. And I thought that was really cool. And she really held the kyber crystals in uh, reverence. Um, also, does that mean that there's a giant, enormous kyber crystal inside of the Death Star? Yes. I guess that is what it means. It's gone now. Is that going to come up? I don't know. Rogue One? I don't is know. Is Jin going to have to communicate with it with her kyber crystal? That would be a weird plot twist. I don't think that'll happen. No. You know what else I really liked about this book? What? How much Krennic hated Jin. Yeah. <laughs> Does yeah. he ever hate he that like, kid? He's like, yeah. ew, kid. Gross. <laughs> and like every yeah. every time she was there, when he was there, he was like, ugh. And like looking at her with distaste and like... Totally. He like never called her by name. He called her by name like once. They had to keep reminding him what her name was <laughs> because he was just like every time he met her, he was like, "Yeah, how's your child?" What the fuck, Krennic? What? What, He's what, the worst. what motivates this guy? Well, he was resentful of her. He resents. Yeah, but I mean, like in general, he's like, he's just like. Yeah, he's just the worst. I mean, his his ostensible motivation in the book is um, recognition. Right. He he wants to be part of the Empire's inner circle and he wants really badly for like the Emperor to notice him. He's got like a semi notice me thing with the Emperor. I like I like the scenes with Tarkin and Tarkin's like, Oh, that guy. Yeah, oh Tarkin. And it's like I feel like we've all at one point in our life had a Krennic, you know, right. like 
you worked with this person yeah. or you like I've definitely worked with chronics before where right. I'm like Ugh. Yeah. You know, they like suck up to everyone and try too hard and mm-hmm. Except that he's like He's good at it. He's really good what, at that's it. That's what makes him the worst. Yeah. He's he what, it, it actually works when he does it. Yeah, and he's like a master manipulator. Yeah. And he manipulates Ugh. everyone in this book, and the only person who sees through his bullshit is Lyra. I hate him so much. Yeah, I hate him too. Um, for those of you listening at home, if you have watched uh, Ben Mendelsohn's um, work on Bloodline, which is a Netflix original series um, for which he won the Emmy for season two, um, he is basically the same character. He's playing disgusting it's like danny rayburn who's his character on bloodline is essentially the exact same character i feel like james lucino knew exactly what he was working with um with this character and uh so if you enjoy uh ben mendelson's work you may have already seen bloodline of course but and if you have seen bloodline that's what you can expect um from his character in catalyst and rogue one yeah he's He's a total yucky, total manipulator, and even even Tarkin gets yeah uh, Tark- totally Tarkin, who is like who's a nasty boy himself, <laughs> gets like gets one well, pulled over on him. But I think Tarkin's like a nasty boy with honor. Yeah, Tarkin like he has some honor. Yeah, Tarkin will be up front about you know killing you. Yeah, where fucking Ben Mendelsohn will like poison you yeah you will with compliments yeah and it's very like passive aggressively fuck you over yeah and like remember how we were joking i've been joking uh a couple of weeks ago about how i was pretty sure that krennic would arrange to have lyra killed and have it look like an accident oh definitely i mean he thinks about doing that in the book like he's definitely gonna do that or try it at some point he He wants Galen for his research, and he resents Lyra and Jin for being a tie for Galen that isn't him. Um, And there's this great, I screenshotted this great line from the book that I just have to to read out for you because it's um, pretty much hits the nail on the head about that relationship. To be clear, I like that this character's in this book. Which character? Um, ben Mendelsohn. Oh yeah. Like I, I like, I like this character. I'm just. Oh yeah, he's just the worst. I just like talking trash about him. Yeah. Okay. So here's here's the line. It's Lyra to Galen. Um, will they have enough data to build a super weapon? Galen shook his head. Not without me. You realize that he's never going to stop looking for you, Galen. You're in his blood, crystal researcher. No, he's never going to let go of you entirely. And it was like, yeah, he's, he's, I mean, he's possessive of Galen in a objectifying kind of way. Like he doesn't, yeah, yeah. he doesn't really care about him as a person. He just no. cares about him, what he can do for him. Yeah. But he is absolutely, that's, that's his white whale in this whole book is he's obsessed with getting Galen to agree to work for the, work for him. And he's just he's obsessed with he's owning obsessed him. With, yeah, he is. And uh, I just feel like having that prequel, looking then at the footage that we've seen from Rogue One, like in the trailers and stuff. I think it'll really um, make it 
more fleshed out. Yeah, and like now, like we know from the trailers that he comes back for him. Yeah, you know, a couple yeah. of years from now, he finds the three of them. And I'm we, glad we read Tarkin as well mm-hmm. because they feel very interconnected. And seeing Tarkin from this perspective is interesting too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like, um, like as we talked about in the Tarkin episode, Tarkin is sort of subtly undermined by the narrative meta of that book. Yes. And I feel like he's further undermined here by the way that he is manipulated by Krennic. Totally. And then he realizes too late that he's been manipulated manipulated, and he's like, oh, that oh, guy is the worst. He's like, God damn it. I hate him so much. But he's so hot, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and the audience is like. Was that Tarkin saying that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. then the, the audience is like, I know, Tarkin. Don't worry. We feel I just too. need a scene with like. Yeah, Tarkin and Vader commiserating about how awful Director Krennic is. Yeah. And maybe we'll get that in Rogue One. Yeah. And and um, and I also think it's interesting because, of course, this book finishes like 15 years between or before Rogue One or whatever. And by Rogue One, he's been promoted to director of the army. He's a commander at the end of this movie trying to be promoted to rear admiral. Fucking rear admiral. Anyway. <laughs> um, so we know that... I mean, and he's still working on this stupid Death Star, like, 15 years later. To be clear. So. To be clear. I don't think Ben Mendelsohn's hot. Yeah, fair. I do. Yeah. Obviously. Obviously. I'm pretty I don't sure get we're the aware appeal. of that. I, I, don't, I don't get the appeal. I can't explain the appeal. Maybe That's if, the problem. Maybe if I watch Bloodline... He's also the worst in that. I can't explain the appeal. There, it's something about his stupid, like, ambiguously regretful puppy face. I think I haven't seen him move before. I've only seen his pictures of his face. Right. Yeah. No, it's it's his stupid, like, he's sorry, but he's not sorry. And you're like, are you, are you really the worst? You're having a lot of feelings on that stupid face. And, like, I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. There's something, there's something about him. It's like when you have, like... Yeah, he's like the kind of boyfriend where it's like, he's mean to everyone else, but like, he's nice to you once in a while. Yeah. And then when he is nice to you, you're like, oh, maybe he's not so bad. And he's really sorry. And you're like, oh, yeah. he, he just got hurt a lot. He's never going to do it again. Yeah. He's really, you know. And you're like, I think there's a heart of gold under there somewhere. Yeah, maybe. And he's got this sort of like crooked mouth and I don't know. I don't know. There's there's some people's appeal that I can explain Felicity Jones, I can explain that. Yeah, Felicity Jones is obvious. Like, um, I don't think that, that that doesn't need to be explained. But Ben Mendelsohn... Yeah. yeah. Anyway. And, like, Mads Mikkelsen. Like, Mads Mikkelsen. Mads Mikkelsen, I see the appeal. Mads yeah. Mikkelsen, I mean, all you have to do is watch Hannibal. Yeah. And you're... I, I really like... Sold for life. I really like the way that um, he described... Uh, I mean, I, I got to give props to James Lucino for, um, again, like Claudia Gray, not being afraid to um, admit that your characters are hot. Because mm. he does that with Krennic, he does it with Galen, and he does it with Lyra. Mm-hmm. He's not afraid to tell you, it's okay, audience. You know who you're looking at. Yeah. Like, they're hot. Like, straight up, like, early on in the book, he basically tells us that they're, like, amazing specimens. Yeah, and then... He the we get Krennic from Hass Obit's point of view. What does Hass think of Krennic? Uh, well, Hass is an alien, so he's like, 
Yeah. All humans kind of look the same, but I'm definitely under the impression that this one's handsome. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. But I, I really like the way uh, this line about Galen. His hair was uncombed, falling around his face in heavy strands in a way that made him dashing in sunlight, dangerous in the dark. Fuck. Like, yeah, you know, you've seen Hannibal. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know. That's what he just, yeah, he just, <laughs> yeah. well, you've seen Hannibal, audience. <laughs> yeah. Wonder what Hass looks like. I don't know. Hass, what, how does uh, Obit, O-B-I-T-T. I don't know. I never looked up the... His era. species? Nothing. Oh. Nothing. Oh, he doesn't even... What's his species? I don't remember. And, and yeah, Lyra Urso is every bit her husband's equal in appeal. So There's nothing. No, I can't remember. No fan art yet? The book's only been out for like... No fan art of, of Haas, Omit, and Krennic yet? <laughs> Fucking die. Is is Tarkin Krennic the new Kylox? Um, what? No. No? <laughs> No. Because <laughs> they're rivals and they hate each other. And I want to see Vader and Krennic interact in the next movie. Yeah, because Tarkin is probably not going to be in the movie. No, and I can imagine Vader wants to like wipe the floor with this fucker. Yeah. <sighs> no, so we I can't remember what his species no is. No hits. No hits for Haas. Are we spelling it right? I think so. Hmm. I'm furious. Maybe it's H-A-S. Maybe it's just one S. Oh, maybe. I mean, I was listening to the fucking audiobook. Yeah, I can't remember. Oh, it's just... I think it's O-B-I-T-T. I'm not... Yeah, there we go. go. He's on Wikipedia. He's a Dresselian. Right. I don't know what a Dresselian looks I like. I think... Is Dresselians the same species as... Um, oh, Oh. That's not what I expected. Okay. Weird. That's not what I was picturing at all. Fucking rad. <laughs> I mean, maybe this is not a great example. Yeah, it's like, um... Uh, Tresselians. I mean, uh, Bib Fortuna is a Twi'lek, but you're certainly, <laughs> but, certainly not gonna hold he's him He's certainly up. no, no Champs and Dula. <laughs> exactly. There we go. Dresselians. Totally hot. They're really hot. What's that lady Dresselian with the whip? Whoa, what? <laughs> oh, hey. Yeah. Hey there. Um, oh, yeah. it's, it's like cord. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm gonna, I'm in my head cannon. He looks a lot hotter than this. Yeah, that's not what I was picturing at all. I was picturing him more like that. Yeah, same, same, same. Yeah. All right. Um, (laughs) Back on topic. Yeah, so... uh, Yeah, no. I I have some more notes. Go for it. Let's see what we got here. Okay, so one question. So, as, as we know... We were pretty satisfied with the explanation about the Death Star being an arms race between the Republic and the Separatists. Okay, but one question I still have. I'm not willing to call it a plot hole because I think it's obviously 
going to be addressed at some point. It's kind of like an elephant in the room missing piece. And that is, so they explain the Death Star plans as being intercepted from the Geonosians as like the separatists. These are the separatist plans for the super weapon. We intercepted them. We're going to recreate the super weapon based on these incomplete plans that we intercepted. Okay. So they they get the idea for the superstructure of the Death Star, but they don't know how it works. So that's where Krennic comes in, where he promises that he can get Galen or so to figure out how it's supposed to work. But so they even have like this stupid focusing dish. They're building the focusing dish and they don't know what it's for. And they actually say in the book, we don't know what this is for, but it's in the original plan. So we're going to build it and they're going to figure out how it works afterwards. And it's like, well, who's the original architect of these plans? Like, I don't get it. And again, I'm not willing to call that a plot hole because it's such a big question that clearly somebody is the original architect of these plans. Well, like, I'm assuming that Palpatine provided Poggle the Lesser with those plans. Yeah, so is it like, did Palpatine see it in a dream? Like, who? He probably got it from some ancient. Yeah, like, Sith. where are these original plans coming from? Because I don't know. they didn't. They didn't come up with the idea. No. This idea, yeah, they intercepted Poggle's plans. I'm glad Poggle the Lesser was in this fucking book. Yeah, yeah, He's in fucking everything. Yeah, it was funny. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, I want to know who designed this Death Star. Was it Palpatine? I feel like we don't see any evidence that Palpatine... He's not even in this book. No, he's not. Which is interesting, cool. yeah. Um, yeah. Palpatine has... No mechanical ability. Palpatine's not an architect or an engineer. So I'm. Is it like? Is it Plagueis? Is it Snoke? Like who? Who is the original architect of the Death Star? Paul the Lesser is Snoke confirmed. (laughs) Um, No, that's an interesting question. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. Yeah, it's curious. Most curious. Hmm. Yeah, and I'm, so I'm really curious about what's going to happen to Lyra or so. Like, I I suspect she's not in Rogue One at the current timeline. We see her in flashbacks. I think she's going to die. She's going to get yeah. fridged. Yeah, I I think so, I too. I don't know if that's the right term for what's going to happen to her, but... I don't know, because she's... She's not going to die to motivate the main character. Probably not. No, I, I mean, I think the main character's already motivated. I think she probably is going to die. She's totally going to die. But is it an accident? Does she get killed in the raid where they pick up Galen? Does she run away with Jin? Do they get separated? Like, what happens to her? Um, obviously, Krennic is thinking about taking her out already during this book. Because mm. she's troublesome. Not to dinner. Um, yeah, <laughs> That was terrible. And, uh, yeah, he hates her so much. And she hates him. And I love that she's the only one in the book who can outmaneuver him. And he can't like predict what she's gonna do and he can't yeah um he can't get her to agree to anything she's always like she's too suspicious of him and uh he hates it because he's usually he's used to being able to manipulate everybody um the worst he's the worst uh yeah so i i'm i'm curious to see what happens to her a lot of the book was from her point of view and, yes, um, yeah. I really like her. I as do a too. Character. I think she was the best character. Yeah. And uh somebody in Star Wars finally has a mom. I mean you've got Padme, but 
put an Anakin. Yeah. Anakin's not a mom. Anakin has oh, a mom. Oh, Anakin has a mom. Anakin can be a mom if he wants to be. Fair. I'm sorry, Anakin. Um. <laughs> um. No. Yeah, Anakin has a mom. Yeah. Who doesn't die? Wait. Never mind. Yeah, she <laughs> <laughs> no, she gets fridged. She gets fridged. She does die to motivate the main character. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, it was. Uh, also, I wanted to say that um, I have news for this week. By the way. Oh. Okay. Fucking Oral Knots released their their episode five. Episode five. Dub over. Yes. I'll link it in the show notes. Excellent. Get on that. Yeah. Um, okay. Something else I wanted to say, which is a callback to a couple of book clubs ago. Yeah. I kind of... I can't tell if I love or hate. I love slash hate slash respect. The way that mining comes up in Holy like every fuck. book i mean it's space right they don't build things out of wood yeah so it's like this book a new dawn tarkin it's, the, it's just like it's mining mining is such an important part of this universe i love it when there was this one line in the book where tarkin's like i don't know if it's tarkin it's like run out of asteroids to mine oh yeah didn't you and they're like damn it yeah, he was using it to drag Krennic about the yeah, Death Star project. Using asteroid mining as a burn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Classic. <laughs> Classic asteroids. Classic mining burn. Cause yeah. Because there's so many mining. There's a lot of mining, and there's a lot of fictional and maybe non-fictional substances. Like There's a lot of fake Dopamites or- and... <laughs> I think that's yeah. one of them, dopamite. And do- do- dolomite. Dolomite, yeah. I can't even remember what the Sodomite. stuff Sodomite. <laughs> there's, there's, there's another bingo card for you. Dana takes this to an inappropriate sexual place. That was not sexual. That could mean anything. <laughs> it's, it's biblical. It's a biblical mine, mine, mining yeah. substance. Yeah. <laughs> So, I, but I feel like with the mining, it like basically confirms what we were talking about with uh, a new dawn. Yeah, where all of the these like special ores and stuff that they're strip mining these protected worlds for are for the Death Star. They're definitely like, the Death Star funneling all the all this money and credits into the Death Star. What was I going to say? I thought I read something somewhere, uh, like in relation to like Ray Sloan and like it and like everyone like <laughs> I have some news about Piet listeners I'm sorry so, I have an unrelated other thing to talk okay. about I'll wait for you to go um, first Dana let me open it and we got a, a Rogue One card pack in real life again and yeah um, yeah uh, one of them was an Admiral Piet card which I got to keep because because you're going to frame it because I'm going to frame it. Above because, your bed. <laughs> because Admiral Piet is my favorite. He's one of the better ones. Yeah. He's one of the better ones. I was just picturing... Cause I was still... I was just thinking in my head. I'm like, I wonder if they're ever going to... Maybe like in the movie Rogue One, they'll explain why the fuck it's called the Death Star. Right. And I was just imagining, you know, this the scene in the trailer where they like... They page Bodhi and he's like, uh, we'll call it uh, Rogue <laughs> Yeah, I was just picturing that same scene, but like in the Death Star, right? Where like they page the Emperor, and he's like, "Huh? 
I don't know. It seems They're like, funny. What, what, you, what you do we call it, sir? The, like, the I, Death Star. Death Star. I mean, shit. I mean, no. shit. Wait. I mean, a P-Star. Uh, yeah. Security <laughs> Star. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I really want... I need this. I really need this. I want to know why the fuck they call it the Death Star. Yeah, it's so... Like... Like, give me some explanation. It's so on the nose. I just crave it. I need to yeah. know. I don't know. Maybe they let Vader name it. Yeah. He's a super mature and good at things, so... Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what else did we do this week? Shit, we're running out of time. I know. We watched two episodes of Rebels. Yeah, we're actually caught up for once. Wait, should we give a rating to this book? Yeah, so normal rating and cutie rating. Okay. Let's hold okay. our hands behind our backs. Okay. Normal rating, Imperial Hearts. Um, okay. Okay. I'm going to give it three and a half. I'm giving it four. That's fair. That's the, that's the uh, beach vacation bias. Mine's the doesn't find Krennic hot bias. Mm, yeah. Okay, cutie rating. Um, yeah. I'll give it a four. I'll give it a four. It was more cute than good. Yeah, there was... Um, Especially, like, Jin was fucking adorable. I know. Jin was adorable. Yeah. She's, um, like, objectively adorable toddler. Yeah. Who is... Uh, grows up into a badass rebel who's going to... Um, wreck redeem- you. Yeah, wreck you. I was going to say redeem her parents' legacy. That too. Um, and fuck... Krennic shit up. I just can't wait for him to find out that it's her and be like, oh my god, I knew I hated you. Yeah. I hated you for a reason when you were like three. And, and then, she's like, why did you hate a three-year-old? And he's <laughs> like, look, I have a lot of hate, okay? I think it's more like she encounters him like three times throughout the movie and she's like, who are you again? <laughs> like, she doesn't even fucking know who Krennic is. Well, she, her father gets kidnapped by him. She probably oh, does. Yeah. She's flashbacks about him. Oh, yeah. They hate each other already. But, like, not in a Kylex way. Yeah. In a, like... Yeah, fanfic people. Don't get any ideas. In a in a shoot-him-in-the-face way. Yeah. And he, like, legit hates her in this in this book. Like, it's weird. It's weird. Like, James Lucino goes out of his way to emphasize that this grown man is threatened by a toddler. Well, he's not threatened by her, but he's like, ugh, gross, children. Why would you want one of those? Yeah. Yeah. So when she grows up and comes back to wreck his shit, he's going to be so mad. Oh, yeah. The most mad. He's going to be so mad. He's like, you're the reason that your father isn't... I mean, what? Totally. No. So. I can't... I can't wait. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, yeah, shit. They called them death troopers. Maybe the death... I'm still trying to figure this out. Yeah, there's no Death Troopers in this book. That's a post-catalyst advancement yeah. for Krennic. Where does he get these Death Where's Troopers? Where does he get these Death Troopers? Are they related to why they called it the Death Star? Is the Empire just finally they, embracing its branding? Just have a death division and... Yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, we've talked about the Empire's PR problems before, but they're not getting better. No, here. The Death worse. Troopers, Project Celestial Power... You were on the right track. Yeah, yeah. On the right track with that one. I don't know why you backtracked to Death Star. Yeah, I mean, I think you just could have called it, like, the Orbital Defense 
rig station yeah. five, you know, like yeah. just call it something like that. Um, Again, I like to think that it isn't actually called the Death Star, and that that's what just people started yeah. calling it because it was yeah. kind of funny. it's like that's the colloquial name for yeah, it, and yeah. then it just stuck until Tarkin like caught himself calling it the Death Star. It's like a, shit, you guys got yeah, me. You, oh, you finally got me to call it the Death Star. Fuck. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like an Imperial inside joke. Yeah, totally. But. I also like the idea, the implication that the Death Star is actually, like, a planet where, like, it has its own gravity and, like, yeah. it's got, like, a surface. I always figured it was, like, layered top to bottom. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it's actually, too. like, yeah, it's layered like a planet. Yeah, that makes sense. And the whole inside is, like lasers and shit yeah and it's got an equator i like the way they de- describe the yeah it has the whole equator where yeah they, yeah i really liked the way they described building it which was basically like they they sort of used gravity to build it just like real planets are built um where the debris is like um held together like when they build the equator first the stuff is attracted to it by gravity and they sort of compress it to get it to stay together and then they build the superstructure around it and it just it had a cool construction description yeah i liked it too yeah so yeah it was kind of cool it was a cool book uh also pretty cute especially if you like kids i have a nephew now so i kind of like kids so it yeah it's like um kids are okay uh if you like kids if you like ben mendelson if you like mads mickelson if you like tarkin You'll probably like this book. Yeah. Any of those things. Mm-hmm. Force. Kyber crystals. Yeah, so should we talk Rebels today or should we... Yeah, let's talk okay. about... I mean, there's not that much to talk about. Yeah, we just watched we watched two episodes of Rebels, the Iron Squadron, and the... I can't remember what the next one is called, but it's a... Uh, it's the Hondo episode. Hondo episode. Hondo fucks your shit. <laughs> Which was, the episode. Um, Iron Squadron had Thrawn in it, which is pretty good. He didn't play yeah. a major role, but... Yeah. It was good, though. Mm-hmm. I thought it was good. I think they're going to probably... They was, like, introducing these new kid characters. Yeah. Who I'm assuming they're going to do something with those. Yeah. Probably. Presumably. They're introducing so many new characters. Mm-hmm. Not that many. But, yeah. That was an okay episode. I don't have much to say about that. No. I really like the Hondo episode. Fucking Hondo. Like, I just feel like they gave this one to Jim Cummings. They're just like, fucking improv it. Yeah. Just write a script for us, Hondo. Yeah. And like... He was so funny. Fuck, he kills me. Yeah, Hondo's just getting better and better. And you commented um, correctly, I think, that uh, like they've been really using Hondo well this season. Holy shit. Hondo is the best. Yeah. He's he's, so funny. Yeah, he is. Oh, man. Yeah. And Jim Cummings does really good voice work. Yeah. This episode. His delivery on Hondo's lines is particularly funny and fucking stellar. Yeah. He's just like I love like Ezra really likes I lo- I just um, like I really like that archetype yeah. of character. Like, uh, Ezra really likes him and he knows you know, it's like you know Hondo's gonna double cross you. Yeah. But he does it so openly and with this sort of like guileless like who me? But like <laughs> it's not a secret. Everybody knows. But he's just like, Yep. Boing boing. I just, it's Hondo. Yeah. That you can't help but... I really want to watch the rest of Clone Wars, because if he's like that in Clone Wars, 
Obi-Wan is also like that. That's true. And apparently they have, like, a friendship. Oh, yeah. And I can just imagine scenes with both of them where, you know, Obi-Wan, like, makes a stupid joke and then, like, Hondo bounces off of it. Yeah, that would be really funny. They both have this, like, fucking shit-eating... Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. That would be amazing. Anyway, Hondo. Did I... Did you have... You said you had some... Oh, you remembered more news, but did you actually say it at the time? Probably. Okay. There was a... Yeah. Oh, that we're on last episode. Yeah. yeah. Let's watch yeah. that after Let's watch this. that after this. Cool. Well, so what do we have in store for listeners next week? This is a bit unconventional, but because there's not... We don't have a lot going on, mm-hmm. Star Wars-wise, we were thinking of doing... A Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them episode. Yeah, we were thinking of going into the Harry Potter universe for one episode. Mm -hmm. So if you're into that... Yeah, then stay tuned next week. We'll go see Fantastic Beasts and talk about it for you with our usual Imperial Hearts off-color jokes and cutie rating. I wanted to call it Patronus Hearts. Patronus Hearts? The podcast or the rating? The podcast. Right. We'll just have it be like a spin-off episode for right. for one week and then we'll be back to your normal schedule. Yeah. Um, and speaking of which, episode 38 is the next episode of the book club. I can't remember which date that's on, but four episodes from now. And that episode will do Ahsoka by E.K. Johnson. Oh, yeah. Because I really want to read both, Ahsoka. We both yeah, haven't yeah. read Ahsoka yet. Um, yeah. I'm but we were meaning to, so episode that. 38 will be Ahsoka, which is pretty much, I think, just after the Rogue One episode, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah. So. Sounds good. Yep. Cool. Yeah, awesome. So I hope uh, all of you who are getting Rogue One tickets for the premiere, I hope you got some. I hope we got some. Because <laughs> yeah. if you're listening to this, they're on sale already. So hopefully we pick some up, and uh, sounds good. We'll see you next week for some Harry Potter fun. Okay. Okay. It was a good week. Nobody died. Bye. <laughs> if you'd like to find more stuff about Star Wars from me and Jamie. You can check out our website at imperialhearts.com or tweet at us at imperial underscore hearts. The music used in this podcast is clips from the song Breakfast with Tiffany by Broke for Free. Thank you for listening to the Imperial Hearts podcast.